Welcome to the Big Unlock Podcast, where we discuss digital transformation and emerging technologies in healthcare. Here, some of the most innovative thinkers and leaders in healthcare and technology talk about how they are driving change in their organizations. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to my podcast. This is Patty, and it is my great privilege and honor to introduce my special guest today, Diana Knoll, Chief Executive Officer of the Walters Kluwer Healthcare Business. Diana, thank you for joining us, and welcome to the show. Thank you, Patty. It's great to be here. Diana, why don't you tell us a little bit about your healthcare business for the benefit of our audiences? And I know you're a kind of a unique business, too, so... Yeah, well, we we like to think of ourselves as a very helpful business as well. So our focus is really around making sure every patient has the opportunity to benefit from the best evidence and data. And we really focus on what prevents that, what causes variation. And we really start with education. So we have a suite of education tools that continually evolves. As you think about how students get educated today, it's very different than in the past. But then when they go into practice, as soon as they walk out the door, they need to keep learning and be updated on what's the latest practice techniques. And then as they continue their um, research and education, we stay with them throughout that. Again, really focusing on what causes breakdowns in clinical care really caused by variation. So that's a little bit about who we are and our suite of solutions really tailors towards that. Yeah, that's helpful background. So I thought maybe we can start with... uh brief discussion around an important announcement that was made recently by the uh, HHS, the final ruling on the interoperability question. So would you care to share your thoughts on the ruling? (laughs) Well, uh, I think all of us are trying to digest it as I understand it. I think it's over like 1200 pages. So, and we'll, we'll learn a lot. But I think at the core of this, we really are a supporter of needing to have good, strong interoperability without sacrificing any issues relative to privacy or security. So we have, we believe for the long term, if you really want to have the benefits of a digital system and digital ecosystem and be able to support things like AI and its ability to really alter and augment the intelligence that our clinicians need, You have to be able to do this. And we still struggle with that in many cases. And so the aspect of standards and procedures and interoperability is very important. So I look forward to, as does my team, really understanding how this may help advance that. So I think it's learning days, but certainly we are positive that a ruling has come out and helps to put guidelines for all of us that are kind of working within the system of how to operate best. Yeah. Did anything leap out at you when you saw the initial uh, press release? Anything at all? Yeah, I think that um, the interesting thing is, uh, you know, I think there's always been this aspect of who owns the data and whether they have to pay for the data, you know, so they clearly are saying patients should be able to get access to their data without any issues and without having to pay any, any fees. I think for us working within the ecosystem, it helps for us to understand, you know, how will this actually work as we interface and integrate into like the EHR systems. For us, the most important thing on our clinical practice side is really how can we do this and how can we do this as quickly and efficiently as possible. So I think there have been some 
things written in the document that kind of talks about from a contractual arrangement, things you can and can't do that would sort of define you being information blocking or not. So we think that that will maybe actually help us in our arrangements with our EHRs. We were very critical, important to us. Yeah, no, I, I think that is well said. So let's switch to uh, what we mostly talk about in this podcast. And this is uh, really a podcast about the digital transformation of healthcare. And uh, I like to explore the topic from multiple viewpoints. And so I'd love to hear from your perspective, what is the current state of maturity of digital transformation as it's defined broadly in the healthcare ecosystem? And it's a it's a big question, and obviously you'll get lots of opinions, but from my perspective, I think we're beyond sort of the foundation building. I mean, things really are in digital format. We did talk just briefly now about the interoperability issue, so we still are plagued by the fact that we can't probably get data in and out of the system for all the various use cases that could potentially use it. So I think we're beyond the foundation building. I do think you're seeing you know, some nice basic enhancements to experiences, you know, on the patient side, you know, there's pretty basic things, but you can see what your lab results are. You sort of have a place where all of your data is. If you're in a certain system, you have the ability to do electronic check-ins. We see telemedicine kind of, you know, coming up and we're starting to see some ability to see sort of AI and its application where we have large data sets of labeled, you know, things. And so I came from the world of radiology. I think there's a lot of thought that now that we have all of this labeled data, we could apply AI and AI could augment a radiologist's role in understanding where there are issues. So I think we're kind of, but we're still, I would say, sort of early on. I think there's Really where I think the hope is, is if you go back to our focus around variations in care, you still have a lot of handoffs that aren't managed well within the digital ecosystem. Once the doctor sees the patient and they, you know, they kind of decide on a treatment path, is it all carried out, even out to the patient? I mean, a customer told me, you know, a simple thing is now we can tell whether a patient has actually picked up their medication or not. It's a simple thing, but obviously goes into a lot of parameters around, okay, if they didn't pick it up, should we reach out? Can we have a discussion with them? Can we understand what happened? Is it a cost issue? Is it an access issue? What is it? So I think we're also in that stage where we're starting to better appreciate what the true connection of of digital health could mean for us. And I think that's still you know, that's the vision that we're all kind of working towards. So still in the basics, but, you know, moving through and got a lot of good foundations laid. You know, there was something interesting that I wanted to explore with you. I was listening to another podcast where the CEO of Walter Scrover, Nancy McKinstry, talked about the massive digital transformation that you folks have gone through as a company. And it was a fascinating conversation to me. So do you want to share a little bit about what that felt like for your business and and share some some of the learnings from that. Yeah, uh, so in health, we've gone through a similar, you know, we're we're a content-oriented business. It's very heavily curated, just like the rest of our businesses within Welters Kluwer. And so the first step was taking everything from what used to be in a printed format and getting it into digital. And and 90% of all of our, our solutions now are in digital. We still do have books. People do like hard books. 
and hard journals. But now, just kind of like we just talked about the transformation, you know, the EHR kind of got everything into digital. We've gotten everything into digital. But now what we're really focused in on is something we refer to as expert solutions. And expert solutions are more deeply embedded into the workflow, take into context the use cases of how they're used. I'll use as an example in up-to-date, we have now gone to something referred to as up-to-date pathways, and that is more of an augmented or guided decision-making tool for specific things that have evidence that's very strong, but wide areas of variation. So you're really starting to see you know, the move from just, you know, taking something that was in print and moving it into digital and now moving it into expert solutions. And that's really where our focus is, where I think we'll unlock a lot more value and being able to serve up exactly the content that our customers need. You know, they're overwhelmed. So having them have to rely on the questions to ask to serve up the content is not the long-term goal. We want to be able to take the patient information from the EHR and provide what we think is most relevant and help them kind of walk through, especially for complex situations, the best way that they could consider a treatment for their patients. So we also are in that transformation. It's very exciting though, because I think that's really where you see significant impact on patient outcomes if you can do that. So you're, you're obviously using uh, AI I imagine you use a lot of natural language processing because you're a content-heavy business in order to curate the content and to, you know, get to answers faster than you would through conventional or traditional means. Are you also changing the way you deliver this content? Are you digitalizing it in some way? So in terms of digitizing it and delivering it in different ways, we are kind of, you know, most recently we've been thinking a bit about what's the interface. So we actually are working on voice because uh, we think voice will actually be one element of how you might want to get the content. And then serving it up, I think what you'll find is instead of lengthy textual things, you'll see something either in a curated order or much smaller. We also have just recently, even in our more patient-oriented space, we have videos that interact with the patient to help them get prepared or help educate them on things that they're experiencing. We definitely have found in that world, we need to have smaller nuggets and to be able to kind of customize it more for the patient and allow them a little bit more flexibility. So I think you're right on in the fact that the way we serve up the content will be, you know, very differently. And the different types of content, whether it's video, whether you do it by voice, uh, those things will continue. It's all about the user experience now and how can you best use the most available technology. So you've, you've hit on a great point there. Yeah. And we see, you mentioned voice and we see voice coming in in a big way. We're talking about ambient clinical environments where the transcribing of the conversation directly into the EHR system, all of that is being piloted as we speak. So it's exciting days, I think, ahead of us. When I look at health systems, the kind of digital transformation programs that they are going through, a lot of the focus seems to be on the patient experience or the consumer experience. And uh, digital front doors, for instance, is a very widely used term now, and everyone seems to be engaged in some program or the other that focuses heavily on improving the interface between the health system and the consumer slash patient. 
But there's obviously a lot of other opportunities for digital transformation too. So based on what you're seeing, do you think uh, that right now the need of the hour is really the focus on you know, the consumer interface or do you think that is too narrow and limiting a definition? What are your thoughts on what else health systems should be looking at as, they, as we transform the entire system really? Yeah, I think the digital front door is just the start right? If you use that analogy, there's so much more in the house that you want to be able to use. So I think that we obviously had to have that window and you have to have that be some kind of an enhanced experience. So people want to open that door. But if you think about it, the type of information I mentioned before, you know, you can now get your lab results, but the lab results, most of us as consumers of that information, we don't really quite understand what it would be. So if you think about moving more into you know, how are you going to actually manage your health and how do you really get, you know, the patients to engage, especially those that really do need to engage and stay on very good pathways for their own health. That's why we saw so much value and made the investment in the acquisition we did a few years ago, EMI. EMI was really beyond just patient engagement, but it was shared decision-making as well as really helping patients as they move into their home health care in a transitional environment. So that's more of how do you stay connected with them, you know, get things like, okay, register your sugar levels, how's your pain level doing, and then how do you really get to understand how that patient wants to interact, and do you see the ability to see when a patient is going into rising risk such that you will outbound an outreach to them to help keep them in their home healthcare environment, which is probably the best situation for them. So I see it much more oriented towards true engagement with the patient on a much more sophisticated level, but it's easy to interface with, not just the portal, if you will. Yeah. Now, you also serve the education sector. So you're kind of at the intersection of education and healthcare. Education itself is going through a dramatic transformation in its own way. So what are you seeing there that's kind of comparable to the kind of transformation the health systems are going through? And how are you enabling that transformation, if you will? Yeah, it was really interesting because I called on a academic and I think the professor didn't feel bad, but he said, you know, people don't really come to the lectures anymore. And so you kind of, it, it's sort of, you know, indicative of what, what a student wants. And a student wants to kind of mimic what they're going to be, you know, asked to do outside in the real world. So we definitely see virtual simulation for things like nursing labs, the interface with EHRs. So they practice within sort of a version of that. But more importantly, what we've also done is we've integrated technology around adaptive testing, where the student can self-test themselves. You can't game the system. It's based on AI, so it constantly kind of thinks about how you answered something and then serves up additional things, but really understands, are you getting to the core of clinical you know, judgment? Can you actually understand in these various scenarios how you would react? And we believe, and there's evidence that shows that they're much more ready. They have higher scores on their high uh, risk test exams, and they really then get out into the world and are ready to go and practice right off the bat. So I think that that's one aspect at the initial education. And then the, the subsequent things, we do a lot of education. We obviously have the ability to do continuing medical education within up to date. 
And then we also have the aspects of our product called Audio Digest, where you can actually continue to learn along the way in a setting that's more indicative. Again, listen in the car, listen while you're working out. How do you just continue to kind of have those? So the way people stay updated on the latest practices and how they get their clinical knowledge and judgment at the beginning has definitely changed. It's much more exciting, I think, as well. Students react much better about getting in and really kind of looking at real-life situations. Fascinating. I have a college-going daughter, so I can kind of... It's much different, right? It's much different than when we went to school. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's for sure. So back to the health systems, the digital transformation of healthcare, uh, we talked about, you know, the focus on digital front doors and patient engagement and so on. But there is also a component of the infrastructure that is required to support all of this. We talked about the electronic health record system, which is kind of like a big transformation that healthcare went through over the last 10 years. But now we are looking at a lot of newer technologies coming in, a lot of newer solutions. On the one hand, they need to interact and interface with EHR. We talked about the interoperability ruling. But on the other hand, there's also an infrastructure component, right? Do you have the kind of networks and uh, other infrastructural components in place? What is your sense of where health systems are, and, you know, especially as it relates to your, your solutions? Are there infrastructural components that you expect health systems to have in place? And are they ready for what you are providing to them? Yeah, that's a really big, broad question, because I would probably say we all think that there's still things to invest in. You know, the EHR kind of is the big road, right? The big pipes around the hospital system. But what you're tending to see, which is typical of where we're at in the stages, is you kind of see then digital solutions kind of popping up. And it's unclear to us sometimes as a vendor exactly who will own that. Some of our systems have put in place like a digital health officer, but we still find that projects and initiatives seem to be owned and influenced in a particular area. And so like, will the chief nursing officer still be overly responsible for things that deal with patient experience, patient education, patient interface? And so I don't know that we see the need for additional infrastructure to be built. I do think people are still very worried about the aspects of security and privacy and all of those. So I think that will continue to be an evolving state of affairs. But I think in terms of the infrastructure, most of that is in place. I do also think that you'll see these naturally kind of have different types of solutions, but ultimately our customers are recognizing that the way a patient is cared for is kind of shifting from various pieces of the solution, like a doctor and a nurse and a pharmacist, to actually seeing the whole ecosystem of the care team. And that's where we're trying to work on our own solutions of how to make sure that we sort of, wherever possible, can populate our solutions with each other's data. So I'll use as an example, if you're in up-to-date as a doctor, we do populate drug information and access that. We will put ME videos in there so you can see what the patient might be prescribed as far as patient engagement. We're just trying to make the user interface, you know, consistent. So we are trying to make our own sort of clinical decision support suite look like a suite, act like a suite, have information accessible to it so it can support 
the movement to the care team approach. Yeah, you mentioned one one important aspect of all this, which is the organization structure within health systems. And it seems to me that it's it's evolving, especially as it relates to the ownership of digital initiatives. And you mentioned that a lot of these tend to be standalone projects. You may have a chief digital officer who's making decisions on certain types of solutions, but then there are other solutions for which functional leaders like the CNIO, for instance, are making the decisions. Are you seeing this all converge in some way to some kind of an org model, which is becoming a de facto standard, like a digital transformation office, for instance? Are you seeing that happening, or do you anticipate that it will continue to be the way it is, which is that decision-making will remain fragmented based on the type of you know, solution that people are buying? We definitely are seeing decisions become more solution, holistic, enterprise-wide. I think the org models specifically are continuing to evolve. So even when organizations have put in place a digital health officer, you know, they themselves are still getting the lay of the land in terms of how to bring in the right influential clinical people to get to a decision. But we definitely have seen more and more decisions being made sort of enterprise-wide and consolidation and sort of, you know, sort of more structure around how the decisions are made, which, you know, ultimately I think is going to be a very good outcome while not sacrificing any particulars that may need to happen at a particular site. So I think they're being very thoughtful about it. Yeah. Well, we're coming up to the close of our our podcast here. You know, we're in the middle of the coronavirus. uh, I don't know if you're in the middle of it or, you know, we're somewhere. (laughs) Yeah. I was just curious, how is uh, your business coping with the impact and how are you helping your customers cope with the impact? Yeah, so we, I would agree. I really do truly hope that we're more in the middle than it's still at the beginning. Um, obviously, we have our own employees that we we want to make sure that we have, you know, good care around them. And so we, we always continue to make sure they're in a safe environment and have flexibility for them in terms of working from home. In terms of our customers, we've made readily available whatever information we have on the situation. We've just posted it out there. We've posted access for patients. So if you as a consumer just kind of want to understand what's real and what's the facts, we've made that available so that we try to put that out there to kind of depict fact versus, you know, maybe not facts. In terms of our customers, obviously our customers are bearing the biggest burden of all of this right now. And so we've been very flexible. I'll give you some examples, obviously, you know, from a sales call perspective, a support call perspective, if we had planned on-site visits, we've automatically called them and said, would you prefer us to just do it virtually? About 50% are doing virtual kind of conversations with us right now. And then, you know, we have a lot of um, relationships with societies, and many of the societies have had to cancel their conferences. And so we're working with them on how we can get their, you know, very valuable information that they were going to present at those conferences. How can we still get it out? So we're kind of working with them on flexibility of trying to still sort of in a virtual environment, get to the objectives that they had for those things. So so those are some of the things that we are doing in this current state. Yeah, well, uh, we can only wait and watch. That's right. Well, it's been such a pleasure speaking with you, Diana. Thank you for uh, taking the time out to speak with us and look forward to following all of your progress and all the very best to you and your team. 
Well, thank you very much. And thank you for the time today as well. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Subscribe to our podcast series at www.thebigunlock.com and write to us at info at thebigunlock.com.